0: these
1: three lives. Welcome listeners to the 44th chapter of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the red-pilling
2: episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Field, and Travis View. When The Matrix came out in 1999, the Wachowski sisters probably did not expect that a scene in their movie would give birth to a right-wing political movement. In the scene in question, Morpheus, played by Lawrence Fishburne, opens his hands, revealing two pills. If Neo, played by Keanu Reeves, the god, chooses the red one, he has promised the truth about human existence, that none of it is real. The movie posits a reality dubbed The Matrix, in which robot overlords are farming the energy of human beings and keeping their minds occupied by jacking their brains into a virtual reality, which we simply know as human existence. Then one day, the pickup artist or POA community, alongside other misogynists and right-leaning trolls, decided to co-opt the term. They imbued it with meaning: "If you take the red pill, you will be shown the uncomfortable reality, that men are the real ones being oppressed, not women." A subreddit called "The Red Pill" served as a center of discussion for this new community. They used the message board to commiserate and push each other deeper down the rabbit hole. The term was soon adopted by the alt-right and even elements of the mainstream right. Their version of red-pilling involves waking up into right-wing belief with a sliding scale of extremism. Some just hate women. Some hate what they call social justice warriors or SJWs. Some hate LGBTQ people. Some are racists dreaming of an ethnostate. And on the very extreme of all this, obviously, lies the neo-Nazi and white supremacist movements proper. These groups definitely already have a body count. This week, we will both lightheartedly and seriously cover the concept of red-pilling, beginning with an elaborate plan concocted by Travis to red-pill Julian and Jake. Then we will be treated to a missive by none other than Michael Bucher head reporter of the QAnon Anonymous Canada offices. Finally, we have an interview with Christian Picciolini, a former white supremacist turned peace activist. He recently published the memoir, White American Youth, My Descent into America's Most Violent Hate Movement, and How I Got Out. Christian has been involved in the creation of multiple organizations like Life After Hate and Free Radicals, which are dedicated to transitioning individuals out of violent extremist movements like white power and neo-Nazism. He will help us understand how benign entry points can lead people down insidious and violent rabbit holes and what we can do about this phenomenon. But before all that,
3: QAnon News. I have a lot of stories for you this week. Oh boy. uh, First up, I have QAnon followers start seeing hidden messages in dog photos. So this (laughs) is a good one. It was only a matter of time. So Q has gone into another one of his quiet phases. Um, As of this recording, the last Q drop was a few weeks ago on May 26th. So what they've uh, started doing is assuming that references to dogs from Democrats in tweets is really a secret reference to people being arrested or killed. Uh, It started when uh, Senator Cory Booker. Of course. sent, (laughs) Sent out a tweet saying that he was looking for a missing dog that is owned by two of his staffers named Gumbo. So
2: Cory Booker kills Gumbo to make a tweet making him seem like a good guy. <laughs> Obvious Clinton, uh, you know, mechanic. He's clearly running for president. Yeah.
3: And uh, that got a lot of uh, Democrats involved in this surf campaign to spread the message about this missing dog named Gumbo, including Kamala Harris and like a bunch of other people. So, I just it's like,
2: yeah, the 25 different people you've never heard the names of, all which are running for president under the Democratic <laughs> banner. I also love dogs. <laughs> what? I want a doggy.
3: And that inspired a QAnon promoter named Bill Smith News on YouTube to come up with this theory that Gumbo was really a code for former Democratic National Committee uh, chairperson Donna Brazil. And so, here is what uh, he said in that June 7th video.
1: I already know this is going to be some racist shit.
3: So Kamala Harris, she's running for president for the Democratic Party. And she's saying, hey, Atlanta, keep your eyes open. If you see Gumbo, get in touch. All right. So right now there's an, there's an entire where's Waldo type of moment for the entire Democratic Party right now. And I don't, I don't understand it, but I have a theory that I'm going to give you here in a second. It has to do with Donna Brazil. I'm pretty sure they're going to try to take that woman out. I Brazil, but I can't, I'm, not, I'm not for sure yet, so let me get there.
1: He's
2: not for sure <laughs> yet.
1: Oh, really? He's not for sure, but I, but I am, I am uh, uh, mildly, uh, mildly sure that this missing dog is a code to assassinate uh, the former chairwoman of the DNC.
2: Uh, it's clear, and also I don't understand it. I have a theory is what every scientist says before
1: that should should be a fucking QAnon t-shirt. I don't understand it. And then on the back, of course, when you turn around, it goes, but I have a theory.
3: (laughs) So uh, this YouTube video became very popular in the QAnon community, and it has racked up over forty-six thousand views so far. Wow! And uh, it's by far the most popular video created by Bill Smith News. So he's incentivized to come up with more crazy stuff. Yeah, that, is, yeah Bill is great. Smith News. Yeah,
2: Bill Smith. <laughs> Everyone's news. just their own news fucking outlet <laughs> no. now. And and, and and at Bill S- and at
1: Bill Smith News, uh, when you get forty-six thousand views, that means whatever you said in the video
2: must be true. The name of that fucking <laughs> Fucking news organization might as well be John Doe news. Like it doesn't. That would be cooler. It, Bill Smith is the most generic fucking name possible. <laughs> yeah. Just choose something slightly different so people can remember the name of your news thing. You yeah. know, like Eric Garland or Palmer. Yeah. Or Seth Abramson.
3: <laughs> Just random names we're picking out of the bucket. <laughs> so if you've been seeing uh, on Twitter like references from QAnon people about gumbo or dogs being secret messages, then that's why.
2: Nice. Dogs. Dogs. Pizza. What's up? Let's do houseplants. Let's do t-shirts. Let's do every innocuous object around us. It's all related to pedophilia. This is not a problem with my brain. (laughs) It's a problem with... You know the Democrats who love <laughs> normal objects you can find everywhere and manipulate them to make you love them more because it makes them seem down to earth. Yeah, like that Kamala Harris shot of like her uh, just got home and I'm cooking this thing and it's like and they people were pointing out that there's like um they still had like the packaging creases on her <laughs> uh, right, right. on her <laughs> clothes. She didn't cut the
1: tag. Maybe they were gonna return it.
2: <laughs> yeah, of That's course. That's what I do. I
1: cook a meal well, once a year. I uh, I buy an apron. I leave it on for the cooking. And then I return it.
2: The prop department can definitely return it for a reimbursement (laughs) afterwards. Absolutely.
3: Next up, I have uh, Michael Flynn hires attorney who promotes deep state conspiracy theories and retweets QAnon accounts. Um, So on June 12th, it was announced that the embattled former national security advisor, Michael Flynn, had hired attorney Sidney Powell. And uh, Sidney Powell is the author of the book License to Lie, Exposing Corruption in the Department of Justice. Oh, I I
2: can't wait for uh, Jerome Corsi to be in charge of the CIA.
3: Mm, You joke, (laughs) it's coming. And she has argued that Flynn should withdraw his guilty plea for lying to the FBI about his conversations with a Russian diplomat. Uh, While well, Sydney Powell has not explicitly endorsed QAnon, she has retweeted tweets from QAnon promoters, including Praying Medic, Tracy Beans, and accounts with WW1WGA in the handle. So like at, at the very least she feels comfortable promoting people who promote QAnon
1: which means you are QAnon yeah, basically. Yeah, if yeah. you if you know enough to even follow Praying Medic That's and if you point. go if you go one step further and hover your finger over that retweet button and then you go <laughs> an, another step further and you press your chubby yeah. little finger onto that little recycling
2: sign and you retweet that that tweet you're QAnon. That's right. The
3: retweet button is a recycling sign, Jake. That's I mean, I'm, I'm, tr- like, I'm trying to be as like, I mean, as, it, as it fair I mean, and charitable yeah. as I can, but yeah, I mean, like mm-hmm. she she has never like come out and say, yes, I believe here's a QD code or whatever, but she has, she obviously is following QAnon accounts and maybe she's just smart enough to know like, well, I'm going to like be coy about my QAnon belief and not, like, come out of the closet, so to speak.
2: Uh, Thank God for Jake and I, who are not fair or
1: charitable. (laughs) Yeah. I will say, though, that this recording is going much better than when we tried it 30 minutes ago and Julian's microphone was backwards.
2: Yeah. I just came back, I have to admit, from uh, about a week literally doing uh, travel and then, like, going around locations, scouting, and then the next day shooting, and then the next day travel, and then the next day scouting, and just, just... I feel so You're a busy, man. Shit. The, You're the, a wanted, man. The plane attendants had to wake me up out of like a dead sleep twice. <laughs> and and they seemed like it wasn't like, oh, this guy's asleep. It was like the whole plane's off and they've been like shoving me. Oh my
3: I'm God. I'm just exhausted.
2: That is amazing. <laughs> You're a trooper, Julian. You
3: are welcome for this content. <laughs> uh, my third story is a prominent Canadian conservative politician shares video from a QAnon follower. So. Uh, this was reported by Mac Lamoureux at Vice News Canada. Uh, Maxime Bernier, who is a Canadian member of parliament and founder of the populist political party People's Party of Canada, uh, shared a YouTube video by a Canadian QAnon promoter named Amazing Polly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is a toy. This is a toy when that you got when you yeah. were little. And uh, it looked like a seashell. And then you opened it up. And there were little figurines inside in a
2: little house. Do I need to say anything else than dumb and dumber?
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> so uh, the video that uh, Maxime Bernier shared, which is titled Censoring Opposition to Censorship, didn't reference QAnon. But Amazing Polly, who uses the handle 99freemind on Twitter, has previously published videos that do decodes of drops. So she is a uh, 100% into QAnon. Bless not- her soul and heart and mind and body. So here's what uh, Maxime Bernier uh, in that tweet said. Must watch
2: video by Amazing Polly if you are preoccupied with rising threat against free
3: speech in Canada. So uh, I was uh, cited as an expert in that Vice News Canada article about the incident. And when uh, Amazing Polly responded to the uh, Vice News article, in the new video, she didn't like the stock photo I had picked for my Twitter AVI. And here's what Amazing Polly said.
4: In the article, they quote this guy, Travis View, and this is the picture he's chosen for himself here. Is he supposed to look like Cro Magnon Man thinking? It's like to me, it's like a combination of a, one of those sculptures from the Royal Ontario Museum when they have the caveman exhibit. And then it's like melded with the thinker, <laughs> but a poor man's version. He says he's a tap water goblin. So he sounds like a really good expert.
2: Ima- imagine being in a museum and uh, you're looking at like a stain on the wall next to the art. And like, that's what you're critiquing. That, that This is what this, <laughs> she doesn't even do a fucking reverse image search. Also, what what's the fucking
1: rich man's version of the thinker? Like, what is she talking about? The statue itself. I guess But so. I
2: believe that in the future we will have a Travis View statue. <laughs> I think we will too in your apartment. But it still won't be the actual Travis View. It'll
1: be a statue <laughs> yeah. of the Ukrainian, Ukrainian. Yeah, if stock you, If you're famous. wondering if you're wondering where your Patreon money is going, <laughs> it's
2: uh, where it's be being used to construct a statue of a uh, stock photo. It's a memorial statue because Travis Few died in the Orange Revolution. <laughs>
3: So I tweeted out that video clip, which led to me and Amazing Polly getting into a bit of a back and forth spat on Twitter. And really, my main goal is to trigger her into creating like a whole new video about me because like... My beef with Neon Revolt, it kind of fizzled out. Yeah. I tried starting up a, like a new beef with Jordan Sather, but man, that guy is just a, such a fucking dullard.
2: Yeah, he's <laughs> he's really the dry academic of people who
3: like to drink bleach. Yeah, no, no fun. And uh, uh, Amazing, amazing Polly, man, she is really feisty. She's a little bit more well-read than most QAnon followers. So I'm really hoping that this is, this is the start of something real good.
2: Hello Polly uh Google reverse image search you download the image you <laughs> no, go to the little funny. don't you don't want me to help them dox you
3: No no the funny <laughs> thing is that that's what that's what our spat was about it's like she was accusing me of accusing her of of believing that that's really my photo and she said like I never said that and so she's very very she was very very touchy about me accusing her of mistakenly thinking that's my real photo Yeah I mean of all uh, the things
1: that she could drag you about like she she kind of you know homed in on
2: like <laughs> Look at the photo he's yeah, yeah, chosen he's for himself. Him. Yeah, I she, know. She's on uh, Bakun's site, and she's <laughs> like, look at this. It, it looks like uh, a dog. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh,
3: for my fourth story, I have uh, New York Times publishes a story about YouTube radicalization. So this is really like QAnon-adjacent news. Um, on June 8th, uh, the New York Times published this fantastic uh, feature story by Kevin Roos, headlined, The Making of a YouTube Radical. Uh, and the story tracks the personal account of Caleb Kane, a 26-year-old West Virginia man, about how he fell into a far-right rabbit hole, thanks in part to his own feelings of uh, aimlessness and YouTube recommendations. Uh, to back up his claims, Caleb Kane sent the New York Times his entire YouTube history, which includes a log of more than 12,000 videos and more than 2,500 search queries dating to 2015. Uh, it is an excellent story, and I recommend everyone go out and read it. Um, it talks about like some of the same stuff that that we talked about on our YouTube episode, but it really it really illustrates the topic through this this really vivid and well- evidenced case study. And you know, it's even better. It's like the New York Times didn't just publish a story. It was published on page a one of their print edition. So given yeah, it the royal treatment. It's wow. one
2: of the most interesting, like anecdotal accounts of someone falling in backed by like such a huge amount of data. And it's one of the only positive things about these tech companies keeping all your fucking data and owning you is that you could do a study on how, you know, they're basically radicalizing people using the data they think they're collecting to sell to other people. So, right. hey, win, lose, lose, win, lose, lose, lose. <laughs>
1: yes, uh, I, I haven't read the article, but when I read uh, Travis's summary of the article, <laughs> I, it became clear to me that uh, Caleb Kane uh, sounds like a man... Uh, who lived in the 1800s, who (laughs) lured a bunch of followers down into a cave. And they all died there. And then his ghost uh, came back to California in the 1980s uh, to
3: haunt a small family and their eight-year-old girl. I I, I love it, yeah. I I really recommend you read the actual story to see just how (laughs) wrong Jake is. So Caleb Kane does sound
2: like if they staged the First Testament in Michigan. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Uh, but of course not everyone liked that story. Uh, for a bunch of reactionary YouTubers, Caleb Kane is a lost customer. So of course they sought to delegitimize the story by trying to invent controversy about it. Uh, what they latched onto was the photo montage in the story containing a bunch of screenshots from videos that Caleb Kane had watched. Uh, that video montage contained content creators who I think are fairly labeled as uh, far right or alt right, like Alex Jones, Gavin McGuinness, and Lauren Southern. Uh, but also included images of people who are clearly not far right, like uh, late night host Jimmy Kimmel, economist Milton Friedman, and YouTuber Philip DeFranco, and the anti far right YouTuber ContraPoints, who Caleb Kane credits for helping deradicalize him.
2: Yeah, big big props to the whole um, bread pill TV uh, people, uh, just just for the work that they're doing, uh, speaking the same language as some of these YouTube uh, far right guys. And basically like being one of the only mechanisms that is currently in uh, action, including all these huge companies with tons of resources, tons of money uh, that is actively working to de-radicalize by using facts and logic and reason, except not the Ben Shapiro version, you know, the actual version.
3: So, like, what happened is that, like, like a bunch of disingenuous shitheads, like most notably YouTuber Tim Pool, they pointed to this this photo montage to accuse the New York Times of labeling Milton Friedman and Philip Defranco of being far right, even though the New York Times did not do that, any more than they labeled Jimmy Kimmel or contrapoint far right. Uh, they just don't want anyone in their audience to read the story of Caleb Kane, identify with him, and then like start thinking about how the content they consume impacts their worldview. Jimmy Kimmel's about
2: three th- three years away from being a neo-Nazi. Oh, sure. sure I can yeah. believe that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and Now, to our reporter in the field, Jake Wachatanski.
1: Thanks, Travis. Uh, I'm here on Twitter uh, looking at Joe <laughs> Biden's uh, Twitter account. <laughs> and uh, I just want to report on the fact that uh, four days ago, Joe Biden, presidential candidate for 2020, tweeted... Happy hashtag best friends day to my friend at Barack Obama. And what is pictured is uh, what looks like a small uh, two friendship bracelets uh, made by children at a summer camp. Oh. And uh, there's a couple charms on the bracelets. Uh, one being a flower, uh, the other being a smiley face, and the third <laughs> being... small slice of pizza so i don't
2: want to go like out on a limb here boys but i would really enjoy it if joe biden were riding a pretty fast train right and then he wants to see something out the window okay so he kind of sticks his head out the window and rapidly approaching is a telephone pole (laughs) and but it turns out to be a wiffle bat and he's fine and he puts his head back in and everything's fine Needless to say, the QAnon uh, community uh,
1: went uh, absolutely hog wild over the uh, image uh, that contained the pizza charm, uh, of course, uh, retweeting and saying that this, of course, was a, uh, you know, secret code uh, between uh, the certain Democrats, uh, that they do enjoy pizza and not the kind with cheese. Back to you, Travis.
3: Yeah, yeah, that actually that image that actually predates QAnon. Like back in the PizzaGate days, um, yeah, they were they were all over that as, as evidence that Joe Biden was part of this uh, uh, pizza coded uh, pedophile cabal. Guys, I mean, is guys, he just
2: trolling? Is he trolling? Like,
3: why no, would he, you? Why would you tweet
1: a, a charm bracelet with a pizza thing on it? Do you
2: guys think that um, uh, a child with the chicken pox is pepperoni? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I said pepperoni. It's a nice flavor. I didn't connect it to anything else. Nobody, you know, based on all of our previous episodes, would be able to connect this to a horrifying joke that I should have never made and that I will definitely be sued for by, you know, the pepperoni pizza company.
4: Centipede Nation's Guide to Red Pilling with Travis
3: View. Now, gentlemen, as you are both aware, there just aren't enough people buying into the boomer death cult known as QAnon. Agree. So uh, we, now we really don't know how many people out there are true believers, but we need to pump those numbers up. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is that I'm going to teach you two exactly how to bring in some fresh blood by showing you how to red pill people. And uh, to do this, I'm going to turn to a guide to red pilling published by the pro QAnon website Centipede Nation. So uh this is a real guide on their site, and it's called <laughs> Red Pilling: A General Guide to Enlightening People by Centipede Nation. <laughs> so <laughs>
4: Centipede Nation.
2: <laughs> and uh now Cockroach Province will <laughs> like
3: You're fucking centipedes. Like what what's so good about those? So uh what what I'm gonna do is that uh, I'm gonna walk you through this uh guide to red pilling people and uh and at the end, I'm going to share a real message that q QAnon promoter has been sending to people in their DMs, like account by account, in order to help red pill people. Nice. So uh, this guide recommends that you red pill people with what they call Socratic questioning. Socratic, mm. but, but of course, they don't really mean like real Socratic questioning, which is a rhetorical method of asking questions that leads a student to examining their beliefs and claims in new ways. What they actually mean is asking loaded questions. So, like, like in real Socratic questioning, uh, someone would like make a claim, and you could respond by saying things like, um, "Could you put that another way?" Or, "What is the basis for that assumption?" Or, uh, "What are the implications of that belief?" And you know, the point is it isn't necessarily to get them to believe what you believe; it's just to stimulate thought. So, while Socratic questions are designed to open dialogue and encourage critical thinking, uh, loaded questions are questions that like assume the premise. That, uh, that you have to accept door to answer it. So like a classic example of a loaded question is, when did you stop beating your wife? So I'm going to give you some examples uh, from Centipede Nation's Red Pilling Guide. And here are questions that they recommend to ask someone to help them understand that tragic mass shootings in the news are actually false flags. Who could engineer a mass shooting, terror event,
1: or assassinations? Singular, singular, plural, you fucked up. Who could control the narrative in the press? Oh, I see what you're doing. There so they're already saying like who you know, you're assuming that the narrative is controlled. So it's like, right. well, who is doing it? Okay. Who would be able to plant evidence? Who uses mind control through drugs, radio waves, and trauma, et cetera? <laughs> who
2: patented mind
1: control devices of all kinds?
2: You know what? QAnon is
3: the Socrates we deserve. <laughs> right. Yeah, I agree. So yeah obviously these aren't questions designed to help someone critically examine their own beliefs but rather they're loaded questions that carry the hidden premise that there's some powerful entity mind controlling people in order to commit acts of terrorism.
1: Mm. It's like
3: who who got
1: drunk last night and shit in your pants. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Who could possibly have enough shit in their bodies to just fill your underpants with doo-doo?
3: Uh, unsubscribe. You're catching you're unsubscribe. Catching on. We're unsubscribe. Regarding. Unsubscribe. So, yeah, important tip for red-pilling people: ask loaded questions that you mistakenly think are Socratic questions. Lovely. So, uh, moving on. So, uh, when you're red-pilling people, you've got to remember to take it easy. You got to coax them in the right direction. The last thing you want is to bludgeon them with too much information. So this will traumatize them and they'll lose faith in anything else that you say to them. You got to focus on the things that won't scare them off. So here's the things to not bring up. And I can't stress this enough. The following is a real list of things to not bring up from Centipede Nation's Guide to Red Pilling People into QAnon.
2: fucking love it. Aliens. Reptilians.
1: Chakras, energy fields, religion slash pantheons, Moloch, Satan, Saturn, hollow earth, metaphysics,
2: wait
3: Metaphysics <laughs> don't bring up any metaphysics. There's no, what's wrong with metaphysics. What the? That's
2: a that's the
4: good science.
3: That's a branch of philosophy that has been discussed they for thousands of years.
2: Hollow earth Metaphysics <laughs> and the
3: next one is chemtrails <laughs> right. and then right after
2: that crop circles. One of these is not <laughs> <right>. the same. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! Also, religion slash pantheons. Why? Why would that really? I like the idea of pantheons. I do feel like QAnon is like you know days away from becoming uh, you know like a Taoist movement or uh, some sort of like uh, polytheist. Movement. Yeah, they're they're already kind of plugged into that like holistic
1: sort of like yeah. healing and. Yeah, yeah, what y- if
2: they y- invented a whole new pantheon of gods, like stories like the Greek uh, myths and stuff, but reinterpreted for QAnon. I mean, they kind
1: of already do. I mean, they call POTUS Geotus, which stands for God Emperor. I mean, they already really look at Donald Trump. I mean, they really, I mean, I'm not even exaggerating. They they think that Donald Trump is essentially on the front lines against, uh, you know, the battle against Satan, essentially, which would, you know, put him at kind of godly status. So, I mean, they're already there.
3: It's true. A common catchphrase in QAnon is like, God always wins. And they say this like in reference to Trump. Like they have, they have, they have faith that Trump is going to eliminate the deep state because they believe God always wins. Man, you know? I
1: hope during like one of his like Florida rallies or something like that that you know just two giant angel wings, you know, you know, unfold oh. out of Donald Trump's back and he fucking hovers above the audience with no strings or anything, and the whole world is is just forced to accept the fact that this motherfucker is actually first of all that all Take this shit away, is real.
3: Baby. I'm ready for it. Yeah, that the all this shit is this.
1: real, and he's a fucking angel.
2: The third third testament is going to be fucking lit because it's just going to be about like flipping houses in New York and then running uh, failed casinos. Yeah. And then it's like, and that's how he became. Well, the next the I mean, prophet. The, the ultimate grift would be writing a new Bible with
1: Trump and his cabinet as like your main sort of disciples and all that stuff. And if you wrote it like an actual Bible, not like the QAnon Bible that's kind of shittily written, but if you actually stole the, the verse and the, you know, the not iambic pentameter, but whatever the fucking, whatever verse
2: the Bible sort of written in, I think you could do some serious business online. (laughs) Man, I just wish I was like in that Mesopotamian cipher that gave birth to the poetry that is the Bible.
3: So if all that stuff is like too scary for the normies to swallow, then what should you bring up? So here are easy to swallow pills, according to Centipede Nation. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to admit these, these claims are very broad and they're, they're pretty reasonable.
1: Elites blackmail people to do perverse things so they can have dirt on them to keep them
2: in line. Dirt can be sex, fraud, corruption, etc. Elites have the best medical technology. They think that harvesting young blood can help extend their lifespan and improve their health. Elites have everything they can dream of.
1: Where do people who have everything get their thrills, taboo, and perverse activity?
2: The CIA is corrupt. The CIA funds itself using criminal activity... In the drug trade and sex trafficking. Yes. Even children.
1: So it's like, don't talk about reptilians or chakras or yeah. metaphysics or hollow earth.
3: But yeah, the, the the elites are corrupt and they, they blackmail people. The, you know, the CIA is corrupt. I mean, yeah, this is pretty uncontroversial. Yeah. Yeah. I could use Socratic
2: reasoning to bread pill this person yeah. like over these four points. like yeah. Every single one of it, it's like they're rich. They, the rules don't apply to them. They can do anything <laughs> they want. They're bored they're so rich. It's almost like they're addicts who are just looking for their next fix because they have too much of what they seek. And also the CIA is corrupt. What the fuck is that even supposed to are they're, they're a black ops organization. Like they're, they're By definition, you know, they're doing fucking hidden stuff. And uh, I mean, I don't need... I, yeah, sorry, my brain is broken. I'm tired. I'm dying. And this is my deathbed.
3: So those work on most people. They're, they're easy to swallow red pills, according to Centipede Nation. But occasionally you're going to run into a hard case, something that's, someone who's a little bit more difficult. And they give the example of like, uh, you know, women or uh, hardcore normies, leftists, you know, someone who maybe isn't going to take the red pill quite as easily. Yeah. So uh, here is how Centipede Nation recommends that you break down the hardcore normies and or leftists.
2: Find out the core belief of your opponent. Find out the weak spot. What is this, destiny? (laughs) Uh, You see, uh, the vex is actually in the belly and not the head, so that's a new version of the headshot there for them. Wait till your normie turns
1: around and exposes a large glowing red crystal in their bottom. (laughs) Use your higher knowledge slash wisdom to expose their weak spots cast gleam and find out your enemy's weakness just using one turn of combat
2: higher knowledge slash wisdom so you like you looked up the, uh, the walkthrough <laughs> use irrefutable facts <laughs> stick their nose in it watch
1: them get angry
2: know the seed has been
1: planted and they will try to disprove you, but won't be able to. Right. They
2: really went to shit
1: on yeah, this
3: yeah. list. Like, this is, Jesus, fucker.
1: <laughs> it's terrible. Yes. Like,
3: it's, it's very vague. It's like, well, they use their kung fu. You use your superior kung fu and defeat them in yeah. combat. Seven tactics you can use to win. The last one's just win. Yeah,
1: and, and,
2: and pretty bold of them
1: to say they will try to disprove you, but won't be able to.
3: I think, yeah, I think I think that the tip here is just be incredibly overconfident, which is something I've sort of experienced with QAnon. They just uh, they just uh, they assert absurd things with total uh, unshakable confidence. So they've been they've been taking this advice.
2: The fact that they even use words like reasoning, it's like, well, this is clearly very, very strong departure from reasoning in every
3: way. Okay, but uh, what about red-pilling the ladies? Ooh. So uh, Centipede Nation recommends you uh, red-pill them with uh, sort of easier to swallow pills, like this one.
2: Did you know Hugh Hefner got his start with CIA money?
3: So, so I, I tried. Women looking, love to hear yeah, about Hugh Hefner. They yeah, love they to talk. Love, about yeah, it. women God.
1: love Playboy, and especially yeah. the guy who started Playboy. Yeah,
2: ancient man who
1: ancient notorious womanizer who kept three yeah. girlfriends at one. They love this guy. They can't get enough of this you know, guy. I
3: think actually, I think the implication is like, oh, they're they're, they're going to hate Hugh Hefner, and you you tie a guy that who they hate to the CIA, which is also I, They're not really not not necessary. The CIA is pretty bad by its own. Yeah. So, uh, H- honey, get in here. Yeah. Honey, did you know that Hooters
2: serves chicken
3: wings? (laughs) So I actually tried to look into this. And according to an interview with Fortune magazine, uh, Hugh Hefner says that he launched Playboy magazine through several small investments, including one from his mother, uh, totaling just eight grand. Um, There has been speculation that Hefner was a CIA asset and used debauchery at the Playboy mansion to blackmail people. But I really couldn't find like anything from a credible source. So so it sounds like the advice that they're giving is to just to say, did you know and follow up with a baseless salacious conspiracy theory? and that's how you red pill women. But Got they it. specifically
2: were like they will be triggered by the idea of porn, basically like that because <laughs> yeah. the other points that you would bring up for men, I guess would be like more real shit. but for them, they're so dumb. they need playboy, the the, <laughs> the dirty mag and then they're gonna get red pilled.
3: So the guide says that if you want a red pill, women, you should follow up with questions like this: How do you feel about all the Hollywood perverts?
4: Oh fuck! Sorry. Oh sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: my god! How uh, does that, how does that make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> Have you noticed who is behind it? Yeah. Behind it. All the Hollywood, Hollywood perverts. perverts again, guys. We're just gonna—we're gonna need you to just take a basic uh, grammatical like thing. <laughs> we're just gonna need you to fucking study a little bit. You before know how you to communicate about... a little bit. You can't use the word Socratic until you just take like a community college course on how to write sentences. Have you or anyone you know had anything like that happen? What? What happened? There's well, no, they, you haven't said anything that happened.
3: Yeah, I think I think they're they're trying to say like uh, been, been a victim of sexual abuse. Yeah. Like, have you like, met like, a pervert? Like, have you have you been Harvey Weinstein? Have you basically? been alive for a year? <laughs> like everyone meets perverts all the fucking time.
2: Like perverts. I mean, I met Jake uh, and I knew we would be friends from the beginning because he likes to do this thing where he removes one testicle. What? Just one, and he pushes it through, and then he zips back down to give a little pressure to it. He I likes don't to, know. He I likes don't to know call it. That. He likes to call it the new Nintendo controller. One button, Good. revolutionary design.
1: Good name for it, but. <laughs>
2: <laughs> have you seen
1: WikiLeaks? Seen Podesta's art? What is spirit cooking? Of course. Yeah. So,
3: have you
2: seen Podesta's art? Is amazing.
1: Like, yeah,
3: they they are they love like oh, like Tony Podesta you know John Podesta they have weird art that means that they're Kitty Diddler. is basically the, the logic.
2: The famous impressionist John Podesta. <laughs>
3: Have you seen, uh, you know, his uh, oh, no, no, cubist the, phase? His, 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 the art he owns, his collection. Oh, oh absolutely. Right. Right.
2: When I tell a normie, like, do you know John Podesta? They're like, no. When I tell most normies, do you know QAnon? They don't know what the fuck yeah, I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, so yeah. that's a step deeper. He's <laughs> yeah.
1: like, what the
3: fuck, man? So this guide recommends that you leave them to think a while. Then direct them to Q Drops and Centipede Nation. Hmm.
2: Of course, it all loops back. <laughs> you know, we're laughing at this shit, though. The more I read about it, like, this is actually a good guide to red pill. These you people? Think? Yes, because think of the mind of the person who wrote this. That's the mind of the people he's trying to red pill. Yeah. yeah well, they're all, com- it's just a fucking mess, right? Yeah. I mean, they're taking a little time off, like, you know, laying hands on their child to cure their gayness. And then it's like, mm, who's Podesta? Ooh, there's nudity in the paintings. Like, these people live in a total different. Like They want, like, statues censored so their kids don't have to see dicks or whatever. Like, it's just it's just this fucking psychosis. So, of course, from that... That's why they're like, yeah, bring up Hugh Hefner because that is, like, the den of all evil and all women will meet Im- all Christian women, of course. <laughs> Not that I'm actually saying this, but that's what they believe, right? They're like, any good and, and virtuous woman will be highly triggered by Hugh Hefner.
3: So, uh, they call this whole technique um, the centipede method. So... <laughs> So here's how they describe the centipede method to red pilling in the guide. Oh, fuck.
2: This makes Gorilla state look kind of cool. People don't need preaching to.
4: That's the problem. Those who know a lot, have a lot of background info, tend to tell it all and overwhelm. Just plant a seed and back away. Ask a question that gets them thinking. Do other things. Let them have a chance to process that and work it out in their mind. Ask a different question about the topic, seed you planted. See how they answer. You are watering that seed, and it grows both downward into the subconscious <laughs> and upwards towards the conscious. Go away and do other things. Plant the seed, come back to it later, but lead them, coax them, gently, gently, softly, softly. <laughs> Some people take a long time to process things. I have family members who are just now getting something I said to them years ago, and they forgot I was the one who brought it up. Hey, did you know about X? I just smile and nod. It works.
2: Yeah, the person convinced that anyone's beliefs is related to the thing they said at a dinner party four years ago. Not at all a narcissistic, (laughs) insanely closed mind.
4: I just smile and nod thinking back to four years ago (laughs) when I told you that John Podesta murders children along with his brother
2: the funniest thing is like this uh there's certain strains of Vietnamese Buddhism that talks about like watering the plant by like being gentle and kind to people but this is like the psychotic version of it yeah. where you're trying to like make them believe something fucking insane and awful instead of just have inner peace and yeah the, you know experience a better yeah better this is life like,
1: this is like that shit but like through like the twin peaks like red curtain you know <laughs> it's yeah. like
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah but that's a good point when people talk about getting red pilled the QAnon they never talk about it like it's like a very uplifting sort of experience be like oh it's always oh my god I didn't realize how dark and hideous and awful the world is I'm glad I see it clearly now for the first time yeah, where's but- Sheila she didn't come to the bake-off oh she got red pilled <laughs> oh she's at home sweating and
2: crying in front of her computer <laughs> all fucking day
3: so uh, centipede nation's guide also provides a couple of testimonials from people who have allegedly uh, successfully used these techniques. So (laughs) here is the first testimonial.
2: I used the North and South Korean unification news to red pill. I worked with a hardline lefty. I discussed Q with him gently as a massive conspiracy theory, just to get the ideas out there, believing the plan would eventually reveal all. I mentioned how NK was a proxy for the CIA globalist space program, the SpaceX. Iridium relationship, Trump's executive order which seized assets, which SpaceX and Iridium being among those, and how Trump gained control over NK's nukes. I'm going to... My brain is going to melt from this grammar. (laughs) Told him that it was over. NK already hinted about reunification before the Olympics as a result. I come to work today and the lefty showed me the news about the NK now willing to lay down nukes and unify with the South. Also, uh, I had told him that hey, you guys hated Bush, we hated Obama. When it is revealed that both Bush and Obama worked for the same overlords, imagine the unification that is going to happen in this country between liberals and conservatives. And I saw the first glimmers of that today. Both of these concepts are powerful meme material. (laughs) Oh, my God. the The mind of the person who wrote this, what is there even to say it's,
3: yeah, it's, it's insanity. And I actually, I looked into this and like the, despite Trump's historic summit with uh, Kim Jong-un, there really isn't any indication that North Korea is laying down its nukes. Uh, the think tank 38 North released a report just this month that claimed that uh, uranium enrichment is ongoing at a North Korean nuclear facility. And there there's a lot of speculation that uh, Kim Jong-un worries they might wind up like Muammar Gaddafi if he denuclearizes. And he will. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah they will drag him onto a hood of a car and kill him, yeah, like of that's that's what they do, and that's what they've always done.
3: Yeah. uh there also isn't really any indication that North and South Korea are currently on the path to unification anytime soon. uh earlier this month, the uh South Korean unification minister Kim Yong Chul said that their economic projects with North Korea were put on hold after February's U.S.-North Korea summit ended abruptly without a deal. So he he literally did the opposite. Yeah, yeah, he he, he created more problems. Oh, cool. So, uh, in fact, according to a survey published by the Korea Institute for National Unification, uh, South Korean support for reunification is declining. Uh, According to that poll, 70.7% of South Koreans viewed reunification as necessary uh, last year. And uh, that has declined to 65.9% in 2019. So I'm obviously not an expert, but it sounds like the whole North Korean situation continues to be intractable with no easy solution on the horizon.
2: Yeah, it's like margin for error probably would account for those two numbers being the same, but it's certainly at best a flat line.
3: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So To me, it seems like Centipede Nation is saying that you red pill people with a bunch of overly optimistic lies about extremely complex and difficult geopolitical conflicts. And if you tell enough of these lies, they'll start believing overly optimistic lies, too. Nice. So good. So here, there's another testimonial. So uh, here's a, here's a, here's that second testimony about how effective these red-pilling techniques are. Was having a chat with a normie friend that's
1: deeply leftist. Her eyes would glaze over when discussing anything not heard on NPR or CNN. So I asked her, did I ever tell you what happened in Vegas the night of the shootings? She mumbled something about Paddock. So I said, let me explain. After telling her who owns the top floors of the Mandalay, who Al-Walid bin Talal is, the apparent assassination teams on the strip, as well as the possibility that POTUS was there that day, her eyes started to come into focus and she started asking questions that were relevant
2: and showed that she was thinking again. So I think like anyone in the Midwest who's able to say an Arabic name sounds like a specialist. So (laughs) it's like, oh my God, what is that? That, You must know a lot. As long as the facts match with the NPR drivel, she's on mental cruise
1: control and accepting of anything said. As soon as the discussion veers from NPR, CNN narrative, she either loses interest or reacts defensively. Uh, But interject some ideas that she finds curious while making her feel like she's gaining knowledge her peers may not have. She gets interested. Added some facts, connected some dots,
2: and then I grew more interest while her curiosity grew. And then she went to HR because she finally (laughs) had had enough about my fucking harassment. (laughs) I'm one step ahead of you. I've studied Sun Tzu. (laughs) Please leave me alone, sir. I'm just trying to get my uh, spreadsheets done here. And then HR comes in and they're like, uh, yeah, I mean, well, some of the things he says,
1: uh, true. I mean, he (laughs) did physically... He, he didn't physically uh, touch you in
4: any
2: way, so there's technically really nothing that we can do. That's the real shit. You red pill the HR guy first, and then when you're harassing your other coworkers, they go in and get double red pilled. Uh, uh,
1: Mr. Clampson, um, John, uh, over from Cubicle C was telling me some like super weird shit about Las Vegas and like some guy, like Middle Eastern guy owns it. Oh, yeah, you didn't know about that? <laughs> come on in, come on in.
3: I just refilled my bowl with Jolly Ranchers. I can tell you more. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, of course, that the whole thing is all insane. There's not <laughs> any real evidence that Al Waleed bin Talal was involved in the 2017 Las Vegas shooting or that Trump was in Vegas when the shooting took place. But
2: uh, what, what about that blurry video of someone moving through the lobby?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him. He had a ball of revenge. He was being led by officers.
2: Uh, if you want to hear more about that, actually, go listen to our Saudi Arabia episode. We have an interview with Felix Biederman and a pretty fantastic, thrilling story about the Mandalay Bay-Bin uh, Talal connection.
3: However, if you don't like centipede nation's method of red-pilling people, you could also use the classic way to spread your beliefs, like going door-to-door in the style of a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness missionary. Uh, Except since QAnon is extremely online, you instead spread the good word of Q by direct messaging people on Twitter one at a time. Uh, uh, Cheryl, there's something on our lawn. Oh my God, honey, it's on fire. What is that? I think it's a Q. (laughs) So I want to share a real Twitter DM message that was being sent by someone named Kelly with a Q. And uh, what she was doing was uh, sending Twitter users a link to a QAnon YouTube video titled QAnon is 100% coming from the Trump administration. Uh, But she also sent a very friendly and non-confrontational message asking people to watch the video. So here is a message that Kelly with a Q was sending people on Twitter. Hey there.
1: I know it's a lot to ask of a person and seriously, no pressure if it's not something you're up for doing. Just wanted to send you a link to this new video. It's full of good content that gets progressively better. <laughs> what?
2: <laughs> what is that? <laughs> well, this- oh,
3: I think I think that's actually a pretty clever technique, because like if someone starts it, thinks it's boring, it's like, it's well, shit, she yeah. did say it gets progressively better, yeah, so I better stick a, it out it's to the is end. This a fucking oh shitty God. chain letter. No. I'm waiting
1: at the end when she's like, if you don't send to 10 other people, you will die a horrible death at the hands of the deep state.
2: But that's also, it's like the video games where it's like, oh, once you're 12 hours in, it really opens up. It's yeah. an amazing <laughs> yeah. video game. Just stick around. It's, te- it's not terrible at all. She continues, this will help explain why so many
1: millions of people are captivated by this movement we follow. We all started out somewhere, all started out not believing, not being convinced, attempting to disprove even. We welcome more and more people every day, not just to MAGA, but also to QAnon. Please trust I understand how absolutely insane this must read. (laughs) If I wasn't so convinced, I wouldn't stick myself out there to people I know may disagree with me on many things, even ridicule or belittle me, but I'm sharing despite that. I'm convinced this is happening no matter how desperately sometimes I wish this weren't the reality we are all collectively living in. Just trying to spread awareness before even bigger things go down. Uh, The more this is spread, the less panic there may be on the good guy's end anyway. Uh, All that to say again, hey, no pressure. If this is just something you're not interested in investing 30 minutes in it, I get it. Time is a precious commodity these days that seems to be going by ever more swiftly. God bless you and I hope you have a good day ahead of you.
2: My yeah god it, it's it, insane. Do you know that there are other countries in the world with other belief systems with history ranging back thousands and thousands of years? Most people don't experience the world the way you do. Not the same markers, not the same spiritual beliefs. What the fuck are you fucking talking about? People I swear to god, sometimes Americans think that their state is the entire world. <laughs> yeah. And that's why they've never most Americans have never left their state. Yeah. And most Americans don't have a passport to leave the states. You know, and Travis has never left. Uh, you know the tap. Yeah. <laughs> Why would I? It's got everything I need. Well, everything a tap <laughs> tap water goblin needs. It's the milk commercial. It's got everything a tap water goblin needs. <laughs> hey no, hey no pressure.
1: But here's kind of a weird video that basically uproots everything that you know to be real. Yeah. So, um, yeah, totally understand. Everybody's busy. I get it. Um, <laughs> it's cool. Um, and fine. I just I believe this so much that. I'm reaching out to you. I mean, it is. It's like cold calling, like Jehovah's Witness shit.
3: Yeah, it is.
1: You know what? With a less less good fucking bill of goods. Totally agree.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah. It is so like non-confrontational. Be like, oh, hey, what's up? It's not like... It doesn't it doesn't, like I said, it almost uses the centipede nation sort of technique. It doesn't go straight to like the uh, Hillary Clinton as a pedivore. Yeah. It'd be like, oh, hey, here's a cool little video full of Q, q- proofs. Maybe you want to check it out, maybe not, whatever. But, but it's, it's like, all good. Why?
2: subtle, subtle. Her her logo is like a QI, and then her name is Kelly with a Q, and then she's like messaging this shit to people. What what do you think people receive this yeah, as? Yeah, yeah,
1: look, look, here's what I think. The brand messaging, the brand energy behind QAnon absolutely sucks. If they really wanted to, to do a shot with these, like you know, sliding into people's DMs, it would be something like, like, "Yo, big thing. Yo, just wanted to give you a heads up. Big things are about to happen. Not a lot of people know about this. This is kind of a quick introductory video to get you up to speed. Uh, a lot of people are sharing. Check it out. You know, a no, sense that, of urgency. You no, know what that, I mean? That, like uh, that's
2: they're gonna sound like Mel Gibson in yeah. uh, in conspiracy theory. But it's too intense. I'm gonna click." I'm going to click that no, more we, than I click we like... We know you're going to click, Jake. <laughs> yeah,
1: but, but I look at this message and I'm like, ugh, like this looks like a canned fucking... Like some canned message. There's no, There's no excitement there. It's just kind of like... Hey, world might be ending, but hey, no big deal. Like, it's just kind of, it, it, it disproves itself within its own
2: fucking writing. Like You know what I mean? Like I get it, but I think you underestimate, like, the woman who has two or three small dogs running around the house, just kind of bored, sitting on her whatever, you know, her computer. I'll click. It's all very, like, it's a soft, <laughs> it's a soft violence and boredom that they're experiencing, so. Yeah, I'll click it. Oh, interesting. Why not? Ah, oh, leads me to another video. <laughs> this Quelly has a has a point. Mm. Our Quelly. <laughs> Our Quelly. <laughs>
4: QAnon Canada report with Michael Buker. <gasps>
0: Hey guys, this is Michael Beekert calling in from Ottawa, the capital of Canada. I just wanted to give you a bit of an update as to the activities of your QAnon friends up here. Last time we checked in, I told you about how QAnon signs and slogans were showing up across the country at rallies held by Canada's uh, knockoff yellow vests. But now you'll be excited to know we have QAnon content being shared by the leader of a political party, who is also a major conservative figure up here. Of course, I'm talking about Canada's most red pill politician, Maxime Bernier, or Mad Max, as he likes to be called. The first thing you need to know about Mad Max is that in 2017, he came mind-bendingly close to becoming the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, which would have put him in a very likely position to become Prime Minister, but he lost to Andrew Scheer by less than 1% on the 13th ballot. Last year, Max quit the Conservative Party as he felt constrained by the party's political correctness and wanted to have more freedom to tweet about the dangers of what he called extreme multiculturalism. Since then, he has formed his own ragtag political party, the People's Party of Canada, or PPC, which he has hobbled together out of various leftovers and outcasts on the fringes of the far right. A few days ago now, he went peak Mad Max by sharing on Twitter a video by a prominent QAnon YouTuber named Amazing Polly, tweeting, Must watch a video by Amazing Polly if you are preoccupied with the rising threat against free speech in Canada. Amazing Polly's Twitter account, which Mad Max had tagged, is covered in QAnon slogans like The Great Awakening and Where We Go One We Go All, and her YouTube channel, almost 100,000 subscribers, has many QAnon-themed videos as well as content about globalists, child pornography rings, red-pilling, and the New World Order. In the video that Mad Max shared, Amazing Polly insists that the Quebec City and New Zealand mosque shooters were not conservatives, and that this is in fact a lie spread by globalists. Instead, she says she has proved that the murderers were actually lefties. They were, of course, far-right white supremacists. She makes her false claim by scrolling through Facebook likes and by taking at face value the trolling sections of a terrorist's manifesto, thereby spreading misinformation as the terrorist had intended. Also in the video, Amazing Polly attacks a lobby group of Muslims in Alberta, saying their whole gig is to sit around all day dreaming of ways to undermine Canadian culture, which is just incredibly racist. She also endorsed Max and the People's Party in the upcoming election. Now, the idea that the leader of a political party would freely share a video espousing these views should be shocking. But, as it happens, Max is no stranger to conspiracy theories. In fact, since this incident, he has shared on Twitter yet another endorsement by a right-wing QAnon-friendly YouTuber, this time by Red Pill Shark, now known as Red Shark Intelligence, who has several videos about QAnon, as well as white genocide in South Africa, how Antifa are the real racists, George Soros, and many guest appearances by members of the Proud Boys, that hate group slash street gang of Gavin McGuinness. Even more disturbing, one of Mad Max's first media appearances after forming his new party last year was a 30-minute sit-down interview with Press for Truth, a conspiracy theorist YouTube channel that specializes in 9-11 truther videos. During the interview, Max was asked about the deep state in Canada and whether he would accept an invitation to the Bilderberg Group. He replied that he would consider it, but that it was not a priority for him. Max is also a frequent guest on rebel media, that alt-right hate organization posing as a media outlet, which has propagated many conspiracy theories, usually in attempts to imply that a mass killing was actually conducted by a Muslim, when we know otherwise. Max has also been eager to spread conspiracy theories of his own, like pushing the idea that the UN's global compact on migration is going to give away our sovereignty to the United Nations, Or, asking Prime Minister Trudeau if he is, quote, loyal to Canada or loyal to a future world government that will destroy Canada, end quote. Perhaps not surprisingly, many People's Party candidates and organizers have been exposed as far-right extremists. And, in at least one case, a candidate was found to be a member of far-right militia group Soldiers of Odin. Several white supremacists have endorsed this party, including Faith Goldie and Stephen Molyneux, And recently, a PPC Twitter account came under fire for tweeting memes of skulls from people of different racial backgrounds, claiming that not all people are homo sapien, some are homo erectus. To top it all off, one of the People's Party candidates in Quebec happens to be the co-host of a conspiracy theory YouTube channel himself, where he once floated the possibility that Hitler built a Nazi base on the moon with the help of space aliens. Now, Andrew Scheer and the Conservative Party, for their part, are not entirely free from QAnon-adjacent scandals. During the town hall this past March, Sheer was asked a question about the Pizzagate conspiracy theory. Trudeau gave
3: $600 million to the Clinton Foundation. The Clinton Foundation is part of child trafficking and child sacrifice, if you, do, if you study it. It's in the Pizzagate. And how do we get that money back? It's because there should be... A, um, the, the MP,
0: the, the PM, the PM knows about the foundation, should be in jail. Scheer was roundly criticized because he failed to push back against these claims. He said he didn't hear the question. And then later he sent a statement claiming that he had never heard about Pizzagate before. I mean, I guess you could say that Shear at least did attempt to distance himself from this stuff. Although he certainly hasn't gone far enough. Over the past year, he's promoted the absurd theories about the global compact on migration. And he spoke at a fringe Yellow Vest rally in Ottawa. At the same event as Faith Goldie. Mad Max, however, far from distancing himself from absurd conspiracies, is actively trying to scoop up all of these elements within the conservative base that the party used to be able to take for granted. Whether or not Mad Max believes this stuff, he's using his platform to legitimize and boost the profiles of otherwise fringe, and in some cases dangerous, conspiracy theorists and far-right extremists. All of this looks pretty grim, to be honest, as we head into our federal election this fall. Hopefully, we can at least prevent QAnon from becoming a topic at an official leaders debate, but I'm less hopeful of this uh, as time goes on. Well, I guess that's all for me. Uh, Keep it real out there.
4: Interview with Christian Picciolini
2: Christian Picciolini is an award-winning television producer, an MSNBC contributor, a TEDx speaker, author, peace advocate, and a reformed violent extremist. Thank you for joining us, Chris, and welcome to the show.
5: My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me.
2: People are really, you know, kind of at a loss to explain a lot of this stuff or to understand the circumstances, the reasons, you know. I think uh, for most people it's just surprising and uh, it gives them a bit of despair. So hopefully today we can get into some more positive aspects, um, uh, you know, speaking of the exit from some of this stuff. We'll do our best. We've examined (laughs) uh, multiple online radicalization methods on our show, including the use of YouTube, Reddit, and other prominent tech platforms. You've been fighting this stuff for over 20 years now. Could you describe how far-right radicalization has shifted in those 20 years?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's gone from pre-internet where it was very face-to-face, very much about a physical manifestation of propaganda. So a book, a pamphlet, a meeting, a concert, music, Um, you know, and then about the mid to late 90s, I would say, is really when it started to shift. Uh, You know, obviously the consumer internet started to become more pervasive. And uh, it was a, you know, essentially a way to make a 24-hour hate buffet that you could serve yourself anytime you want, instead of having to bump into somebody. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, when I was recruited at 14 years old in 1987, I was standing in an alley. I was smoking a joint. Uh, this guy came up to me with a shaved head and with boots and he said, you know, that's what the communists and the Jews want you to do to keep you docile. Um, I have to say at 14 years old, the only communist I knew was Drago in my favorite Rocky movie. <laughs> uh, and I knew they were the bad guys. So I was like, OK, cool. Uh, I didn't know if I'd met a Jewish person, really what a Jewish person was. Uh, you know, I went to Catholic school. So I guess, you know, they. I was taught that they, you know, they killed Jesus or whatever. So, I, you know, I was like, OK, fits the narrative, I guess. Uh, but I, you know, I didn't even know what the word docile meant. The truth is, is I was raised by Italian immigrant parents who came to the U S in the sixties. Um, and I wasn't raised with any sort of racism. I just wasn't part of my family DNA really. Um, but you know, I felt abandoned. So I went searching for an identity and a community and a purpose. And you know, that guy who walked up to me in the alley that day was America's first neo-Nazi skinhead. His name was Clark Martell. And I didn't know it But I was being recruited into America's first neo-Nazi skinhead group uh, that day. But yeah, it was, you know, nowadays, you know, it's definitely online. I mean, uh, everything, you can find anything online, uh, even if you're not looking for it. uh, The algorithms are sending us there. So, you know, hate is being curated for us.
2: So that's interesting. I mean, do you think he was just kind of strolling through that alley randomly and he's just recruiting anybody on his path? Or do you think there's, uh, you know, alleys or bars or places where they know that there are people that aren't quite there yet that they can just pull to the other side? And I'm speaking, of course, in the era uh, of more physical recruitment.
5: Yeah, he actually lived across the street. So I was just kind of, you know, a product of my environment at the time, happened to be in in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I always say, you know, had a baseball coach or, a, you know, a troop of ballerinas come up to me. Instead, I would have been, you know, probably one of the greatest baseball players or one of the greatest dancers on earth. Uh, I'm not a good dancer, though, for the record. (laughs) I love the uh, my neighbor
2: is a neo-Nazi. That sounds like an R.L. Stein
5: Goosebumps uh, thing, but just a little
2: more twisted.
5: Well, these days, you never know, you know, these days it's probably more accurate than it was in the eighties, but yeah, you know, it's, you know, we used to go at that time when I became a recruiter. Then after a while, we would go to the places where kind of marginalized young people would hang out, uh, punk rock concerts, skate parks, uh, video arcades, uh, the mall. I mean, we were looking for. You know, let me take a step back because these movements are always saying they're, they're trying to build the master race. They're trying to, you know, get the elite of their kind to join them. And, and honestly, the, the opposite is true. They're looking for vulnerable, marginalized people that they can fool with a narrative that somehow solves whatever grievance they have. I call those things potholes, you know, those things that appear in life that detour us off our path. And those potholes can be trauma, can be mental illness, can be poverty, can be a lack of education, can be a joblessness, but it can also be privilege. Uh, You know, all those things that kind of keep us in our bubbles. Um, And I'm really worried right now because what typically happens is the people who are the most at risk for extremism are the ones not at the very bottom of the socioeconomic, um, socioeconomic pyramid, or at the very top. The ones at the bottom are struggling to survive. That's all they really care about. That's their routine. That's what they do. The people at the top, obviously, you know, have a a massive cushion, but with the disappearing middle class and, and kind of the upper middle class disappearing and the lower middle class becoming poor, those people feel like they're losing everything. And when you feel like you're losing something, it's much easier to latch on to some kind of, you know, fringe narrative or, or out there narrative because it's like playing the lottery. You know, you're, you're putting all your cards into something, hoping that that's what turns you around because now you see something being taken away from you. But it's not, uh, you know, even though it's felt as oppression, it's equalization, right? Other people are finally getting their, you know, what they're supposed to get. But to those who feel like they're losing something and blaming those people, you know, it's not the oppression happening to them. It's essentially, you know, our our environment, it's our ecosystem, it's jobs going overseas, it's technology, uh, and it's not oppression.
2: Yeah, of course. So uh, what do you think is important for the tech companies to know when they're dealing with these extremist groups using their platforms to spread their message and recruit new members? Like what, if you could tell them, uh, you know, kind of a path forward, or at least some suggestions, what, what would they be?
5: Well, I think that their Band-Aid solutions are never going to work because taking extremists off these platforms is like playing whack-a-mole. I mean, Facebook deleted, what, 2 billion or 2.2 billion accounts a couple of weeks ago. That's, you know, a third of the population of the earth, Um, you know, fake accounts. It's going to keep happening. Obviously, people can set up 100 accounts a day if they want. Uh, You know, I really would love to see these tech companies um, operate like, you know, building managers or property managers, you know, if there's a tenant in your complex who is setting fires, who's beating up other tenants, who's constantly running up and down the hallway, screaming and, you know, flyering, it's your duty to keep everybody else safe. It's not your duty to protect that person, right? I don't agree with like just saying, you know, we're going to put them into the sewer and hope that they disappear because that doesn't happen. What we need to do is kind of a a multi pronged approach. We got to treat the sick and all the problems that go along with it, but we have to treat it like polio and inoculate the population too. We have to understand that we can wipe the slate clean all we want, but it's just going to keep coming back, um, you know, like a etch sketch So we have to fix the problems, but tech companies, um, you know, there are no hate crime uh, laws online. There are no hate speech laws. They're not bound by free speech. Uh, I don't know why this is such an issue. And I know I'm pretty sure that for Twitter, it means that if they kick off the biggest bully on their platform, it means that they'll, their platform will essentially be non-existent anymore. Um, So I, I think that they have a a lot of work to do. Uh, I'm glad to see them trying to understand, but they're going to be cleaning this issue up forever if they don't uh, come up with a real solution that works. Um, So within the metaphor that you
2: use, like where does, where does that tenant end up living?
5: Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to go through a period where we're not going to know what to do with these people. And hopefully, in the meantime, we're raising young people on a a better foundation. I don't you know, I don't know uh, is the is the honest answer. They're building their own platforms. I mean, it's obviously not a big deal. So they get kicked off one. They're going somewhere else. It's not like they're homeless. uh, You know, if we're going to use that metaphor. Um, But you know, I think we do need to to provide solutions to make sure that we're not raising future generations of of people who might be struggling with mental health or who might, you know, f- be at risk to these narratives because some other trauma happened in their life. Or, you know, they're just uh, so isolated that they've never, ever had an opportunity to have a meaningful interaction with people. Uh, I believe in social media. I think it's a great tool. I love the Internet, but it's also being used in really nefarious ways for you know, propaganda and fake news. And, and, you know, obviously, you know, they're almost like pep rallies, right? A lot of these forums are pep rallies for mass murders. And, and it's, uh, it's a little scary. Yeah,
2: absolutely. You, you continue to work with youth. Uh, what circumstances do these internet era youth describe when they talk about their radicalization?
5: Um, it boils down to them looking to find out who they are, where they belong and and what they're supposed to do with their life. And uh, because there are millions of kind of alienated, marginalized kids who may not be able to establish meaningful connections in real life, they can do that on the internet. They can be whatever persona they want. They don't have that, you know, stigma that they might have in real life. So they're searching and People out there who are extremists know that there are people searching. So that tells me that we have a lot of disenfranchised youth, a lot of disenchanted young people who we're not delivering to in the real world because they're, you know, they're finding it online. Mm -hmm. Um, And and for them, yeah, I I do. I think we need to repair the foundation, uh, you know and social services, and human health, and, and public health, and, and an opportunity. Um, you know, people don't go to these movements because they want to, because they're happy. They go there because they're angry about something, and they want somebody to blame for something. And they give them answers. It's really easy. Uh, but it's also really easy to fall down that rabbit hole and, and to get sucked in, and that becomes your world. And I know because I was there for eight years of my life, and it's more difficult to get out. Because, you know, in this day and age when everything we do is public, um, I don't know that the, anybody will look at these types of issues as as anything but a death sentence for people. You know, their videos are online, their memes, their podcasts. Ten, five, ten years from now, if they're lucky enough to change like I did, go through a transformation, are they going to be able to live that down? Like somebody like me who maybe didn't was lucky to not have the Internet and was lucky to get in front of this 20 years ago. I don't know. Between entry and
2: exit, there's obviously membership. You know, why, why do people stay in the movement? What makes it so sticky?
5: Sometimes it's, it's the only family they've ever had. It's, it's the only friends they've ever had. And I can tell you, you know, it's really easy to put away, um, you know, the thoughts about what you're saying and who you're hurting if you're getting more out of the camaraderie, out of the, the sense of agency and the sense of purpose, if you've never had that before. Um, you know, if you're, let's say you're just an alienated kid that don't have a lot of friends and you go from powerless all of a sudden to a feeling of power because you, you know, you have friends, you have a family, people online think, you know, you're, you are you have agency. Uh, so, what keeps people there is the sense of if I leave, I'm not going to have that anymore because I never had it before. So, what is there to go back to? It's either I go deeper and I bite my tongue until I, you know, believe it, and then I believe it and I go full, you know, dive head first into it. And then when you want to get out, it's hard because you know there's that stigma. The people that are there with you don't want you to leave and they don't like you, but the outside world doesn't want you back either. So that's why membership people stay in for so long. That's why it's so difficult to leave. If we can't offer a safe, like a safe passage for people who genuinely want to leave because everybody there has confusion. It's an illogical ideology. It can't make sense. That's why you can't beat it with a logical debate. Um, They all have confusion and at some point if they see an escape route most people will take it problem is is there are very few escape routes now
2: Yeah, of course you've founded multiple de-radicalization Organizations including your latest endeavor free radicals. Can you describe the
5: process? These types of organizations go through to help people? Sure Yeah You know, I, the word de-radicalization, I know it's kind of like the industry term and it just seems like brain deprogramming programming to me. And that's not really what I'm doing. Uh, and I use that term just because that's what most people understand. But I, I tend to call it disengagement. Um, you know, I, my goal is to really link with these people. And usually they reach out to me. It's either uh, the person that wants help for themselves or a family member or a loved one who's concerned Um then it's about establishing rapport first. It's about, you know, making sure they don't see you as the opposition because I'm not, I used to be one of them. How can I judge them for what they've Done right, it would be hypocritical of me. I know they're wrong, uh, but it's also not my job to tell them that. It's their own job to figure that out. So I I do a lot of listening, and I listen for a lot of potholes, and then I fill them in. Uh, I leverage their communities, the people around them, you know, and whether it's mental health services or job training or life coaching or uh, educate whatever you know it is that they need essentially to fill in you know those voids. uh, I do that, and it takes a long time. Um, you know, it's not it's not a, an easy solution. You just wave a magic wand and all of a sudden they're like, you know, poof, I'm not a racist anymore. Um, and, and the fact is, is they probably were never racist. It's a, it's a suit of armor. The ideology is just that permission slip that grants us you know, license to be angry. Pre-radicalization starts the day we're born. It starts with those potholes. So, you know, we get led to that extremism. But I know it didn't always exist. It was something that was learned. So I try to unlearn that or, or teach them another way by introducing them to the people that they think that they hate. Uh, and oftentimes it's the only time in their life that they've ever had a meaningful interaction. And and they've sat with you know Holocaust deniers and Holocaust survivors, uh, Islamophobes and. Uh, You know, imams and and LGBTQ community and you you name it. I mean, and I can tell you every time that happens, when those people are ready, every time it happens, Everybody walks away changed, including myself, uh, and it's very powerful because it replaces demonization with humanization. So you
2: you actually made a video that I found incredibly touching. It was a, a man who had committed a kind of a hate crime against an, uh, a, a gay person, and you reunited them, and there was a I think a true moment of understanding. And also, I mean, obviously a moment of bravery on the side of the guy who was attacked to kind of meet up. But can you describe like the circumstances of that meeting? Because to me it was uh, really eye-opening and it's so direct, right? It really is the yeah. person that you harmed.
5: Yeah, you know, they uh, – I'm not responsible for putting them together. It happened uh, just by chance and it's a fascinating story. There was a whole movie made about it. So Tim Zoll, who was this former skinhead – uh, who was a friend of mine? He was one of the people that you know I've helped counsel and things like that. Um, started to work at the Museum of Tolerance in Los Angeles, uh, which is the Simon Wiesenthal Center's uh, museum, Holocaust Museum. Uh, and he was there telling his story about being a former you know neo-Nazi. And the museum uh, director was this guy Matthew. Uh, and one day they were sitting at lunch, uh, just sitting down after a couple of weeks of working together, and. And they just started small talk about where they were from and this and that. And they were both from the same area. And then eventually the conversation got to the point of, you know, when I was 16 years old, I was standing behind, you know, some in something hot dog stand and, and a bunch of skinheads beat me up. And at that moment, they realized that they were the two people. And they were both working at this museum. The movie's called Facing Fear. You really need to see it. It's a short film. It was nominated for uh, an Oscar. It's, it's really just very powerful, their story. Um, and, of course, I always had this idea of, like, that's such an amazing and powerful story. I need to put them together somehow to do this PSA. Uh, and... Uh, It was, it really, it turned out well. They're both amazing friends of mine. They're best friends with each other. I know Tim, the former skinhead who hurt Matthew when he was younger is his best friend. He went to visit Matthew when his, uh, when his partner was dying of, you know, of AIDS. And, and it's just, the story has come full circle and they're just these amazing human beings who, you know, both had really rough lives, but, uh, you know, somehow touched each other then and now, and, and have, brought it full circle
2: so what would you say uh is the biggest misconception when it comes to radicalization and exiting it like you know if you had to debunk like one belief you think the population has
5: what would it be yeah i've got a lot um let's see i would (laughs) feel free to make that two or three for sure all right uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple tips. So I one tip that I, I have in my head going into every uh, you know, intervention or whatever we want to call it is I see the child, not the monster, whether that child is 16 or 60. Because I know that something led them there. There was another motivation, some kind of a human motivation that has nothing to do with racism that led them there. So I really try and see beyond the, you know, the shitty suit of armor, beyond the, the ugly words. I filter all the noise out and I really pinpoint the potholes. Um, so to that point, I think most people would think that, you know, every neo-Nazi, every white supremacist is an evil person. Uh, and the truth is, is there doing evil things. They're doing monstrous things, but deep down inside, they're not monsters. Um, And and I know this because I've worked with hundreds, if not thousands. I am not, uh, I'm not giving them a pass. Let me just say that because I hold every single one accountable, like I've held myself accountable for 23 years. Uh, But at the same time, I know that if we want them to change, we can't do that by punching them in the face uh, or by ignoring them. Right, we have to uh, we have to find those things in life that we can connect on. The fact that we love our children, we want to have a job, we want to have our health. If we can meet there, eventually we'll go off off track. Right, but at least we have a spot to come back to. If we start out on the extremes, and you're wrong, and you're wrong, and and you're bad, and you're bad, we never get to the middle. We never have that moment of saying, you know what, all this. Stuff that I believe is wrong because now I know that person and I'm not talking about you knowing the Nazi I'm talking about the Nazi knowing the black person the gay person the Jewish person and I'm saying Huh, I was wrong because now I know who these people really are right, of course You um,
2: you wrote white American youth my descent into America's most violent hate movement and how I got out in it You recount your own story uh, in detail I'm assuming you've had a variety of reactions uh, even along your 20 years just kind of uh, admitting uh, your past and, and also contending with it in a very public manner. I mean, yeah. what have these reactions been like and kind of like how do they, you know, what's the range of them?
5: I would say overwhelmingly positive. Uh, I have a lot of trolls. <laughs> I get a lot of threats. Um, you know, and at first I was not very good at, at communicating my story. I didn't know how to analyze what I had done. I didn't know how to explain it. Um, and certainly, you know, over the years, uh, you know, I've spoken in, in synagogues, I've spoken in mosques, I've spoken in churches, I've spoken on the Ted stage. I've been at the UN and Geneva at the peace talks. I've You know, it's been really amazing the way that people have been able to open their arms to me. And I know that that's a privilege because there are so many people who've done things that were probably not as bad as I did that don't get that second chance because of who they are, uh, the color of their skin. Um, and I hope that that changes. I really hope because people like me who are genuine, have a lot of valuable insight on how to help things. Um, but we need to be given a chance to, to be able to do that. And I'm lucky enough to have been given that chance. I hope we can do that for other people. Uh, another misconception, uh, I would say only about 15% of, of, uh, extremists or even white nationalists are violent. Uh, 85% sound violent, act violent, but uh, won't throw won't throw a punch or hurt anybody. Um, and I'll also tell you that, uh, and this is the last tip I'll give you, is that the way that they're recruiting people these days is pretty despicable. Um, They're going into, you know, traditional safe zones online. They're going to places like multiplayer, you know, online gaming where they're communicating over headsets. They're going to depression forums. They're going to autism forums. They're going to places where, you know, they're they're banking on the fact that there are people there who maybe don't have connections to people in real life, healthy ones, don't have friends. Um, you know, because they feel, you know, socially awkward or whatever, and that's who they're recruiting. And to me, that really is despicable because, uh, you know, it's for them to be able to do something like that, uh, to people who think they're in a safe place is, is really like walking into a synagogue or a church to murder people.
2: Yeah. Well, I certainly recommend people pick up uh, your book, white American youth. It's available pretty much everywhere. Um, awesome. New
5: book's coming out on February 11th. Oh, yeah. 2020. Yeah, it's called uh, Breaking Hate, Confronting the New Culture of Extremism. I'm wrapping it up right now. You get the exclusive. Fantastic. Uh, You heard it here. Breaking news. Um, Cool. So,
2: you know, one thing that we've been examining is the the kind of uh, the roots of Nazism and how it's mixed up with like Volkish occultism that Hitler then tried to kind of clean up to make the movement seem you know, a little more, uh, a little less mystical, let's say. And it was fed, obviously, by the the obvious conspiracy theory that Jews control all media and the financial systems. And neo-Nazism also seems to be fed by a lot of conspiracy theories. What would Mm. you say are the most prevalent uh, conspiracy theories currently feeding into the movement?
5: I would say the number one uh, conspiracy theory started in 1903. Uh, It was a fraudulent book called The Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Uh, it was put out, and most people don't know this, it was put out by the Russian czar at the time because the pogroms in uh, in Russia were happening. They wanted the Jews out. Uh, so he published this fake doctored book that was, you know, the leaked minutes uh, of a, a meeting of, of like a Jewish cabal that were planning on running, you know, finance and media, and news and all this stuff. Total garbage. Uh, it is still uh, over a hundred years later, the number one most influential piece of propaganda, not just for neo-Nazis, but also for uh, Islamists. So people like ISIS, you know, supporters, things like that. Uh, It is a best-selling book being taught in uh, more conservative madrasas in the Middle East as a a factual book. Uh, So that leads me to the point of it's just a matter of time before we see, you know, the neo-Nazis of the world start working with the Islamists of the world, because if you think about it, one enemy is, you know, who they consider to be the Jew. Uh, and that's a scary thought. Um, another thing is, uh, you know, starting in 1903, all of these conspiracy theories have emanated from Russia and from Eastern Europe, everything from, you know, the Jewish conspiracy, uh, to the flat earth, to, to anti-vaccine, to, you know, all of these conspiracy theories are seeded as a way of, uh, you know, kind of, it's a warfare. It's a psychological warfare because it divides us. It keeps us confused and uncertain. And it's a, a really great breeding ground for extremism. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, what we're seeing with all of this fake news and, and these trolls and, and, you know, what happened in the last election. And I don't know if most people know this, but in October of 2016, before the election, I was actually the first one to turn in uh, evidence of, of fake Twitter accounts. I had 10,000 accounts that I had seen coming from Russia, turned it over to the FBI and they told me I was crazy. And then a couple months later, of course, they confirmed that.
2: Sir, uh, sir, we're we're getting the information that you're in fact crazy. Uh, I'm sorry, we're not going to be listening to anything you say from here on
5: in. We're the FBI. We never do anything wrong. We always catch the bad guy. You gotta love it. I'm- I met with them at the Washington field office. I had an appointment. I turned over 32 gigs, I turned over a hard drive of evidence, screenshots, a list of fake accounts. This was a week before the election, and I told them. I even have a, an email that I sent to the to a staffer that I know at the Clinton campaign, and I said, and this was October before the election, uh, there are tens of thousands of neo-Nazi alt-right fake social media profiles being run by Russians, and I believe they're trying to influence the election on Twitter, and I got an email back. They requested the information. I sent them the, you know, I transferred over the the evidence to them. Never heard back from them. And then, of course, two weeks later, their emails were leaked. Yeah. Let's figure. What are you gonna do? Not, what are you gonna do? They should listen to me, you know. They should listen to a <laughs> lot
2: of uh, uh, people and marginalized communities that have been reaching out with incredibly clear messages of what's happening to them, uh, and they seem to be kind of, uh, you know, uh, falling on deaf ears which is obviously a shame. You've always, you, you've also um, described, you know, immigration in Western countries are feeding, you know, that conspiracy theory that, uh, you know, brown people, black people, whatever, immigrants are coming to steal our jobs, to destroy our culture, to kind of oppress us and make us like second-rate citizens in our own country. Uh, but in many cases, obviously, foreign intervention by Western countries and their surrogates have created the mass migration and the refugees escaping violence in their region. So, On one hand, how can we kind of um, change the perception uh, of what uh, migration or or a refugee arriving in our country means? And on the other, how can we contend with uh, the kind of um, actions that uh, some of our countries
5: are, are, are carrying out abroad? Well, I mean, I think we need a humanitarian plan, and you're absolutely right. So many of the conditions were created by, you know, Western nations. Um, but I would also say, you know, the climate is really a contributor to this as well. Of course, uh, you know, we're we're talking about, you know, the Sahara and the Nile, uh, potentially not the Nile, sorry, the Sahara and and parts of Africa drying up from water completely, and that is going to cause a refugee crisis you know in the next 10 years that is going to be at least three or four times the size of of what we're seeing now. So if we think that nationalism and and you know phobia of refugees is 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 bad now just wait until uh, you know they they can't even sustain themselves in their own land and and there's going to be a flood of people. Um you know, but then again, there's also a ton of conspiracy theory and propaganda about refugees calling them rape refugees, and you know that they're running rampant in places like Sweden and just raping white women. and of course, that's not true. Uh, you know, what? extremists are very, very good at is finding something that has a kernel of truth where maybe there was some criminal act by some refugee somewhere out of the tens, if not hundreds of thousands, you know, the hundreds of thousands of millions of refugees that are out there. And then they blow that up into an issue. Um, And that's what happens. So, I mean, I think we just have to become better critical thinkers. We have to go out into the world and see things. We have to travel, Uh, you know, we have to ask questions, you know. Maybe everything I'm saying is not right, too. And I will continue to learn. But the point is, I will continue to learn. I don't stay in that same mindset. And, you know, stay very narrowly focused. And I think exposure does that and and being open to to new information, because, you know, if anybody wants supremacy, the only true supremacy is knowledge. Uh, So go get it.
2: And so on a bit of a lighter note,
5: uh, in terms of pure entertainment, what would be your favorite conspiracy theory? Man, I would love it if, if Tupac and Biggie were still alive and making <laughs> records right now. <laughs> I love that. I mean, they're on some Cush Island, maybe in Belize or something like that, yeah. you know, smoking a blunt and sipping on some yak and, and making tunes that maybe in 10 years from now will get dumped on us. And maybe Elvis is hanging out, too. I don't know. <laughs> of course.
2: Well, we should probably ask John McAfee. If there's one person who would know what's happening in Belize, it might be him. He's a little off his rocker too, but yeah, oh, right. he's <laughs> way beyond off his rocker. Uh, have you ever heard of QAnon, uh, which, you know, our podcast kind have.
5: of, yeah. What, what do you think of it? What do you make of that? You know, it's interesting. I, I really don't know a lot about it. And certainly, you know, everybody's calling it like this big conspiracy, but then there are conspiracies that the media is putting out about them. I honestly don't know. Uh, and, uh, you know, as long as it's not killing people or, you know, ruining our future minds, I don't care. So if you know about it, tell me. And if it's a bad thing, then it's something I will focus on. Uh, but I, I I tend these days, there's so much noise out there, you know, everything from like that symbol to the, you know, to QAnon, certainly it's a thing, right? We hear about it. Uh, but I don't, I honestly don't know how, how, bad it is or how good it is or how widespread it is or you know yeah i hear what i hear so you would
2: separate me. like a conspiracy theory that leads to kind of mass violence from a conspiracy theory where there's incidental violence but it doesn't seem to be uh, the main output
5: well i think we have to be responsible with what we put out into the world and i think that there are you know people there are Different levels of people out there, somebody who has you know got their life together, may hear about something, and it may not affect them, but you know there there 's research that says that the higher stress that we experience in our lives makes us more open to accepting kind of out there or fringe or, or conspiracy ideas there 's a whole lot of stress going on in our country right now there 's a whole lot of uncertainty, so that means that there are a whole lot of people who are willing to latch on to you know. Kind of ideas that uh, you know maybe don't make the most logical sense, so I would be concerned even if benign idea like anti vaccine like people are like, oh, well, that's not you know causing extremism or anything like that, but yeah, people die, young kids die because of that uh, it, you know so i I would say we should just be purveyors of truth uh, or at least seekers of truth, and not just you know buyers of of you know whatever's on the discount shelf for for that day
2: why are you discriminating against measles? You know, well, you know, what did they, they ever do?
5: <laughs> you know, just killed millions of people. You know,
2: uh, cool. Well, before we uh, say goodbye, would you like to plug anything, Chris?
5: Uh, my TV show on on MSNBC, it's called Breaking Hate. We just aired our second episode, which was pretty amazing. And it's it really if you're interested in in some of the conspiracy theories that we're talking about, the fact that young people are now going over to the Ukraine and to uh, to Russia to fight in paramilitary camps or to train and then go fight. Um, that is that is happening, but it does talk about a lot of conspiracy theory issues. Um, and then Episode 3 will be coming out, I think, uh, late June or early July, and uh, we'll see what happens after that. All right,
2: listener, look out for the, that stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, I have to endorse that they're uh, fascinating so far, so I'm sure Episode 3 will will also hit the mark. Thank Thanks you. so much. Of course. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris, and also thank you for your important work. Thanks. Thanks, Julie.
1: You've been listening to the QAnon Anonymous podcast. Our Twitters are at QAnon Anonymous, at Travis underscore view,
2: at Julian Field, and at Real Rocketansky. We refuse to allow corporate advertising on our show. That's why we gate our second weekly episode behind a $5 a
3: month subscription. So visit patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for $5 a month to get access to a weekly premium episode plus all the ones we've already recorded. The faster we grow, the closer we get to making more varied content. Thank Thank you.
2: you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Listener,
3: until next week,
4: may the deep dish bless you and keep you.
0: It's not a conspiracy, it's fact.
4: And now, today's Auto-Cue. Hey, folks.
6: I felt like people were asking me all the time, how do I red pill my wife or my girlfriend, love interest, mother, sister, whatever. I took to Twitter to see what the interest in this was and there seemed to be a surprising amount. This of course is no small task. I think all of us have a woman in our lives that is difficult to talk to because they're overly sensitive about their position, but they maintain their indignation. I like to think I'm a free thinker and a seeker of truth, but I was very resistant to this realm of ideas for a while before I came around. You can imagine what you're up against with your average woman. I really thought about what eventually convinced me to view the world more realistically, to adopt conservatism, and to approach gender roles from a traditional perspective. So I hope I can encourage some women, um, or rather help you encourage some women, that are still harboring some lingering feminist tendencies or that are outright social justice warriors and feminists. YouTube has been the most instrumental way for me, with minimal effort, to illuminate truths to others that may be resistant. It takes the burden off of you to make the case and provide something of an intermediary in case there's friction. You don't have to take all of the heat for the video you recommend because you didn't create it. You can also extract a lot of information based on how she reacts. Black Pigeon Speaks is responsible for a lot of my red pilling, but for your average woman, I think that that might be a little bit too hardcore. So I would start with Paul Joseph Watson, uh, Lauren Southern, especially her work lately, Stefan Molyneux, and probably most importantly, Karen Strahm. She's extremely smart and well-spoken, but is also approachable and likable. So when I send women her way, they often come out with uh, probing questions, but they aren't angry. Outside of using videos, just take a straight-up Socratic approach and start asking questions. How do I red pill my wife? How do I red pill
2: my wife? How do I red pill my wife?
4: How do I red pill my wife or my girlfriend, love interest, mother, sister, whatever?